You've reached capacity. Now what? Building your business requires different priorities, decisions, and leadership at different stages of growth. When you hit capacity, you need to put the brakes on and focus on building internal strength. Internal strength are processes and team members who can help you serve your clients and grow your business. Ignore internal capacity building for too long and you can break your business. Hear how this agency owner focused on marketing and sales to get to $500,000, the mistakes she made that almost broke her business and how she's moving forward to a million. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. It is so good to have you on the show. Let's start by having you share more about who you are and what your agency does. Okay, so my name is Amanda, and I am the owner of a full stack marketing agency. We've got a team of anywhere between 13 and 19 people at any given time, and we work businesses to help them grow and make some magic happen. What were you doing before you started your agency? So before the agency, I was heavy into the hospitality industry. I spent a bit of time doing industrial sales. And then I started a social media, a small little social media company. It sounds like you were in a nine to five job and you got a little bored and launched a side hustle that became an agency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, because I did not want to work for anybody. I didn't want a boss. <laughs> I wanted that freedom. <laughs> Tell us how your side hustle became an agency. It really, it really took off when I started doing it. A lot of things kind of fell into place. I ended up being really successful on my own, but I wanted to grow. And so a sales guy reached out to me and we connected and we just initially started working together and just kind of passing clients back and forth. And then we decided that maybe we've got a really good thing going and let's go into a partnership. And from there, that's when things really grew. Why do you think it was beneficial to pursue the partnership during that season of your business? I still was on my own solo. I had some help here and there, but it wasn't really anything. I was kind of looking for more business and I knew that he would be able to help with that because that was his skill set. Partnerships can be like marriages. It takes a lot of work. Tell me about the strengths and weaknesses of your partnership. So it was great and then it wasn't great. 
It was really great because we were both passionate. And that's like a passion is something that I look for in who I work with when it comes to clients and who I I work with when it comes to my team. And that is something that we were really excited about business. We were excited to go to work every day. We were happy with what was happening. Our clients were excited. Like the passion was flying and it was just a really good synergy. How did the partnership look like? What was he doing? What were you doing? So he was the guy that was out Well, we would go to networking events and all sorts of things on social media, lots of word of mouth. He was very involved in the community and he had an amazing network to begin with. So it was a matter of he was doing sales coaching with his clients. So again, like sales and marketing go so well together that anybody who's getting sales related stuff or involved in sales, there is a marketing aspect that comes and can really complement that. So that clicked and we just kind of took off with that. So he would bring pretty much, uh, he would bring the clients in and close them and do some sales consulting. And then we'd get into marketing. I want to highlight the synergy that was happening. As a sales coach, he couldn't support his clients to close sales without leads. And your role was to help the client gain visibility and drum up leads so he can coach them on closing. It worked well because you were a dynamic duo. Is there anything else that made the working relationship excel? Well, we ended up like we got an office together. It felt really big time getting an official office, you know, (laughs) and we were sharing an office at first and then we grew and we had two offices and we're working full time. We've got people in there full time. We're doing business full time. And that was when it like it kind of was really it was doing well. Okay, that was the high point of the partnership. And I want to get into your team growth journey. Before we go there, I'm sure people listening want to know, how did the partnership fall apart? Well, it was, and I do have to say the partnership did end on a sour note. And it was, well, from my perspective, it was all of a sudden he did not want to sell anymore. And that was a big thing for me because I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, well, that was your part in our, in our thing. Like I'm pulling all the weight right now. And it just, it, there was an unbalance, a work inequality there that really ended up frustrating me. And I was starting to burn out. And then we're having to, like, we didn't have a good setup when it came to the corporation. There was a lot of learning that I did from that when it came to future corporations that I set up. But yeah, we were basically splitting everything 50-50, but the workload was more 60-40, 70-30. So it was just frustrating. Then animosity happened. And then I just ended up leaving and giving him that we had and starting a new one. It must have been challenging to see something work so well, take that sour turn. Thank you for sharing that. I believe when one door closes, another opens. Tell us, how did your business pivot after letting go of that partnership? Well, we had developed, like we were scaling up at a fairly good pace and I started pulling on people to support my side of things. So, uh, and making connections because of the idea of growth and being prepared for when, like, I never wanted to say no to work. So it was always yes, and I'll figure it out later. (laughs) So I had made relationships with videographers, graphic designers, copywriters, email marketers. And so I just really leaned on and leaned on them and built up those relationships and uh, pulled that with me when we split. You mentioned scaling at a good pace. What did that look like in your business? Like there were always new clients coming in. Like it wasn't, there wasn't any lulls, which was fantastic. And he was, 
Like, and that's why it was really heartbreaking when he said he didn't want to sell because he was so good at it. Like absolutely incredible. Like literally everybody that walked in the door, he closed, like his closing rates were incredible. So when that stopped, it kind of, it caused me to panic because I'm a single mom and like, this is my income. I don't have support from like any outside support. So I needed to stay focused. And if that it wasn't going to work, then I needed to make a move to make sure it was going to work financially. When the partnership ended, you had a good book of clients to carry you through, but there was also a sales gap because he was your sales system. How did you fill that gap? Well, it ended up being a lot of trial and error. And thankfully, like a lot of the clients that like that we had, like were marketing clients, like marketing was pulling in a good chunk versus the sales, like sales, he would do like five sessions, five one hour sessions, and then they would be kind of done on his side. That was not continual. But so for me, it was like, then they would still be marketing. So being able to lean on those clients and then continue to grow and really capitalizing on showcasing the results, going deeper with the clients with more services, having some outreach and lead generation things in place. And that's kind of what what helped it to continue to go in that right direction. I'm curious, what was working from all the new marketing activities you were trying? When we split, there was a bit of a rocky area, like you feel lost, like I felt like I lost an arm, you know, it was um, a bit of a shock, and then continuing to just kind of figure it out. So the outbound stuff that I did, I had hired a cold email company that was doing a whole whack of cold email outreach that ended up being extremely successful. We did a lot of like a lot of opt-ins. We had a pretty solid email list, lots of like just really being open and available for discovery calls and getting involved or like, yeah, still staying. I got out more. I'm not as social as I used to be, but I got out more and just, yeah, started building my own separate identity. Different people have different reactions to cold outreach. Some people are all for it and others think that it's a bunch of wasted time. Hearing how successful it was for your business is encouraging. Tell us what made it so successful. So it was volume based. Like we're he was sending a whack of emails out, but the copy on it was incredible. Um, I think one of them, which got a lot of responses back was like a line, hey, if you don't want to... Um, if you don't want me to message you again, just tell me to go kick rocks. And that was the thing where they loved that. They would write back and at least acknowledge that line. It was hilarious like to just kind of see how powerful copy can be. And then it got to the point where I'm doing so many proposals that I'm like overwhelmed with all of these proposals that <laughs> I've got to do that. It was a whole other problem. Like It was just a, a weird kind of turn of events. At this point, you're getting a lot of interest and in bumping up to capacity. How long did you keep the floodgates open before you realize you need to create more internal capacity in your business? Yeah, I think we did that for about, I think it was about three months maximum. We were hitting lists pretty hard. And then after that, it kind of took a bit to kind of like, there was still some trickle from that and back and forth. And then the results from the business and the proposals closing, it it was probably about like a six month process went from when we started to when we were at capacity. Give us a peek into what your revenue numbers look like in your agency right now. We're on track to be hitting around four to 500k years. 
a year. You have dreams to grow the business and like all growing businesses that are doing well, you hit capacity and the internal gaps become more apparent. Tell us about the internal capacity building you had to focus on? Well, right now, okay, so with that exponential growth, there came a lot of, again, more learning, learning opportunities, because we had, we were at capacity, and the internal systems were not fine tuned. So I had to do at one point during the year when we did the cold outreach, hire, I think, nine people at one time, which was insanity, because it was just we didn't have proper onboarding. I was in the fire going under and it was like a panic hire. So not only did I hire some of the wrong people, even if they were the right people, they weren't set up for success within the business to be successful. So um, through that, it was like we lost clients by the end of the year because of the chaos, which was kind of interesting. The first growth spurt where you're at absolute capacity is the hardest for service-based entrepreneurs. If you're not prepared, you're reacting to client servicing, quality assurance, team development, and process development, all the things. What I notice as a consultant and coach is that I often champion proactive preparation, but it's like getting people to buy the vitamin to prevent the pain from ever occurring in the first place. And as a marketer, you and I both know that people are more likely to buy painkiller when they're in pain than a vitamin to prevent pain. Well, I'm actually acting out on that lesson that I've learned right now. It is to pause the gas, like hit the brakes a bit and scale back a bit and make damn sure your processes are in place. Um, like right now we've pulled back. We're not um, like we're, we've pulled back a bit and I'm itching to hit the gas again and do like another growth. But I'm also really gun shy because I never want to go through that again. I love what you just said about being okay with a slower season so that you can invest time and energy towards operations and team strength. We're talking about stepping into the full CEO role, seeing the bigger picture and leveling up your leadership, focusing on internal capacity results in better client servicing and retainment, which makes your business more profitable. What would you say you've learned about leadership so far in your journey? And is there anything you would do differently? Yeah. So the leadership, like, and generally, I like to think that I'm naturally talented as a leader, because and I, I can attribute that to managing large teams of restaurant staff. And it was inter- it was just you need to take time with people and you need to not assume like, sure, they come in and they've got great skills on paper. But they're, they need to learn your way or they need to understand your business and you need to give them the time. And again, because it was such a panic hire, I was already like burning out. I didn't have anything to give to them. I was hoping that they would give to me. I wasn't able to give them really anything. And so that was where I, it was just, again, it was, it needed to, I needed to put people on a wait list. Did you know that I have a coaching program called the Mighty Pod Model? In the High Touch program, we help our clients go from solopreneur to an agency owner so they can gain more freedom by having a service business where client work isn't dependent on them to scale. Maybe you started as a solopreneur with zero people in your business. Eventually, you bring in an assistant and contractors, but you continue to hold on to the strategy and direct communication with your clients. Before you know it, you're at capacity. So what happens if you want to grow bigger? Meet the Mighty Pod model. The Mighty Pod model isn't just a 
business model. It's a high-touch coaching program that helps you go from solopreneur to agency owner with a profitable, streamlined, and strategic roadmap. If you're feeling like the bottleneck in your business, download our free Mighty Pod Model Cheat Sheet. Go to audreyjoyquan.com forward slash free resources. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com forward slash free resources or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app to get the free mighty pod model cheat sheet back to the show you had gone on a hiring binge out of desperation and brought in nine people at once and being at capacity caused more damage than good in hindsight what's one thing you learned from that season in your business well one of the positions that I was hiring for was a client manager position. And it was a brand new position that was like not fleshed out really. And it was the client facing position. It was a way for me to get more breathing room myself so I could continue to grow and make sure everything on the back end was doing well and that the clients were still being taken care of. Where the issues were there is that I've now got something that's not in my control with my bread and butter, essentially, like, and if the clients aren't happy, or they don't jive with the client manager, they also were really liking that they were meeting with me because I was the CEO, and I was giving them time and they felt really taken care of. So there was a bit of a breakdown there. And then I had like one client go through a couple of different client managers where, again, there's breaks in the trust breaks in the like, it's just a, it's break, things are broken. So I think, and this is not something that I fully fleshed out yet, but uh, I have now come back into the client facing role, I deal with all of the clients, um, personally, but instead of doing monthly strategy meetings, we do quarterly strategy meetings, and we plan the next three months out in a big strategy meeting. So we kind of, that was a nice balance to free up more of my time and still give them my face because I also know that I'm going to be the constant in the business, no matter uh, like staff or team members are going to come and go. But yeah, to scale, you'll eventually need to let go of the account manager and account director roles where you mm-hmm. show up for the strategy and manage the relationships. Someone else is going to have to step into that position. The roles we are often the best at are the hardest to let go. To hand that over, we've got to communicate what success looks like in that role and develop resources and checkpoints that give you the confidence to let go. Knowing that is required to scale, what are you doing with that role to prepare for the transition? Well, right now I'm working really closely in having a really solid operations position within my business where they can definitely help with hiring the right people. I have found that I am not good at hiring people. (laughs) So it's really like putting people through a bit of a process when it comes to hiring, especially for a position like that, because not only is it client facing, but you need to be strategic because in those meetings is when the magic happens and you like you're hired for your ability to grow rapport with people, but also for your ability to create some pretty amazing strategies. So that's, yeah, really being slow to hire and hiring the right people and not in a panic. There are many different names for similar roles in small agencies. What you described as a client service manager is also called an account manager. The role is pivotal to supporting you, the owner and operator, to step out You want this person to be able to build rapport and have a strategic mind. What else do you see this person fulfilling? What else do they need to replicate that you're doing right now so you can step away confidently? 
they need to be super detail oriented because they're essentially also a project manager on the back end. They would be then managing. And I do like the idea because we did like that was the idea with the client manager position before was they would make the magic happen in the meetings with the clients, put together a killer strategy and then go back to the team and relay it to the team and be able to take all of that and download it to the team and manage production as well. I want to encourage you, it doesn't have to be you. The role you describe is a role I've helped small agencies define, set up, and get the owner out of doing. You've already won by being aware that the position is a sore spot for you, and you've taken the time to evaluate the mistake in hiring someone who wasn't the right fit. Even though I'm a fan of hiring processes and assessments, I will say nothing is 100% perfect because people are unpredictable what you've experienced in hiring the account manager role makes your next steps more informed. I believe the greatest gift of building a business is having a team, leading people and supporting others to grow. I think my business exists to help people succeed, not just our clients, but also the people inside my company. All that said, it sounds like an exciting time for you as you scale. So where do you see your business in five years? I'm always very revenue based. (laughs) And we have continued on a trend of like doubling revenue up until this year, every year. So I would like to see it doubling once again, each year, like I want to continue that trend after I get all of this internal stuff figured out. Before we wrap up here, what motivates you and keeps you inspired? I love what I do. I just absolutely love what I do. And I love working with people. I love seeing results. I love seeing things come to fruition. And like, I'm always like, wow, it works. Like it, it worked. It's doing awesome. And it's doing what we expected it to do. Like that's always kind of a nice surprise in marketing because with marketing, there's a lot of testing and there's a lot of variables involved. And to be able to hit the mark is really a satisfying thing. And then also building a team, a solid team of people that are as passionate about my business as I am. That is something that I really want to do. I was talking actually to my uh, apprentice that we have, and she's like going through past pictures or something. And she's like, are any of these people still here? And I'm like, no, they're not. She's like, oh, that's too bad. And I said, actually, it's not a bad thing. And the reason why is because hired people and watched them grow in their roles to a point where they want to go out and they want to make more than what I'm paying them. (laughs) And they can, you know, they have the ability to do that. And then they just, they become unaffordable for me because they've gotten to a certain level. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's awesome. Off you go. That's great. And I love that I've been able to have a part in their growth. We have some core values for our company that I always stress as often as I can. One of them is to love what you do. Like I want to make sure that everybody loves what they do. Uh, The big role behind that is if they don't love what they do, then they're not going to do a good job at it. Another one is to work hard because everybody's working hard. And if someone isn't, it really like I, it, it affects the whole, the whole thing. Another one is to always be learning. I always want them to learn. And we have like a a channel in Slack where it's, you're throwing in um, cool things that you run into, cool articles that you run into, and maybe a copywriter is throwing in something copy related, but it's really like the ability to have like graphic designers understand copywriting and, or at least like understand like how everything comes together because sometimes everybody's in their own little world. And then the last piece is to speak up. You want, I want them to speak up and to always like communication is key. So I definitely was on a rabbit trail there, but. (laughs) 
it was a good rabbit trail. Thank you for sharing your core values. Amanda, where can people find you online? It is www.theartofb.ca. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Hey there. Thanks for hanging out with me at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you hit the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app and share it with a friend. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.